you've had a little bit of time to digest this news. How does it feel to be the new national team boss? No, thank you. Um, it's it's fantastic. I'm I'm so excited. You know, it's been a bit of a whirlwind in the last 48 hours, but I'm excited to to start the role. I'm excited to meet the players, and what better way to do that than a camp in three weeks' time? Yeah. There it is. Boom. There it is. Now wait a minute. Let me just peel back the curtain. Let me just peel back the curtain. Pete Demolitis tells me after he plays that clip, be respectful to Gemma Granger, the new coach of the Wales women's national football team. After he plays the clip of her saying one of the top line Simsisms, whirlwind. Whirlwind is catching on. It's all around the world. It really is a whirlwind. One of our friends hey. in the UK sent that clip over the weekend. We're not making fun of anybody. We're just saying, hey, we're glad to see hey. that Sims is influencing the originators of the English language into changing it. Well, I'd like to take credit for that, but I doubt that's the case. And I think it's actually proving the point that more people <laughs> think it's whirlwind than whirlwind. I don't know. I'm just uh, maybe we should put a poll out to start on a Monday morning because I don't. I you know, I, hey, I have my Simsisms Sims, Sims where. I don't really know what I'm saying. It just comes out of my mouth. Whirlwind was one of those I've been saying for a long time and it's like had no idea. It was like, what? Oh, it's whirlwind. I had I had no clue at all. So I don't know. Maybe there's a few more people out there that think the way I do. Based on the way that some of your recent polls have gone, like pouring water <laughs> into the trash or dropping hamburgers onto the floor at LaGuardia and applying the five-second rule, right. I don't think you should push your luck for a poll on, <laughs> on whether or not it's generally yeah. accepted. Push it. <laughs> Pete, Pete's already Pete's already good. put Pete. the poll question out. So we'll, we'll see what the people say about Whirlwind, although Gemma Granger is on Team Sims when it comes to Whirlwind. Yeah. Thank you to whoever it was in the UK that sent me that over the weekend. As soon as I saw it, I sent it around to the to the crew to on our the crew, show, right. and we decided uh, to to play it and have a little fun with it. And uh, we, we, with all due respect and deference, and congratulations to Gemma Granger, the new coach of the Wales women's national football team, uh, for giving us uh, a, a fun way to get an the week started on a Monday morning. It is PFT Live on Peacock, Sirius XM 211, NBCSN, Sky Sports. Now, Sky Sports Mix, they tell me, at 9 o'clock. So if you are on Sky Sports Mix and you see this now, you already know. So congratulations. You cracked the code and figured it out. They cracked the code to get Kenny Galladay paid almost a full week into free agency after the big money in many respects had flowed to the extent there was any big money. Chris, this one came over the weekend on Saturday, four years, $72 million for Kenny Galladay from the New York Giants. It can be $76 million. So it's either $18 million base, $19 million max with incentives per year. I had reported that he was looking for eighteen five. Some say that's what he turned down from the Lions last year. That's unconfirmed and uncorroborated, but I've heard that from several different people. He wanted eighteen five because he said no to eighteen five in Detroit. And, of course, circumstances changed between last year and this year with the pandemic. But Galladay gets close to what he was looking for. And the Giants get what, Chris? You know, I had, I had a GM tell me last week there are no number one receivers 
in this free agency class. Is Galladay the closest thing to one? I think he is. I mean, I think that's why, you know, one, yeah, uh, uh, he was probably waiting for that number one type contract like we talked about a lot over the last two weeks, right? You know, somewhere in that 18 to $20 million range. We've seen the receiving, you know, the receiver market. It's not the same. The, the market really is not the same for just about anybody right now, except for maybe a few offensive linemen as far as years we're used to. But yes, I don't think there's any doubt that he was the number one wide receiver, the crown jewel. That's what I've called him on the, the uh, unbuttoned podcast as far as wide receiver goes. The negativity, of course, is the one thing. It's it's last year he didn't play a lot, so that's that scares people. Yes, yeah, so between that and the market, I think he was trying to find the right place. And, I mean, I love it. As a Giant fan, I really do. I'm excited about it. I think he is... The type of guy that Jason Garrett, that New York Giants offense, you know, a little bit of the attitude they're going to have, and now you got weapons like him. He's a big play guy, Mike. You know, he can go over the middle and do that, but, man, he can beat you deep over the top like we've talked about, jump balls. He's amazing in traffic. You know, I think he is a real number one wide receiver, so I, I don't know who you talk to, but I would disagree. I'd say he's a legit one to me. Yeah, well, but, but is he a guy you're going to game plan against? Is he a guy that you're gonna that you're gonna that's gonna strike fear in an opposing defense well, that they like, have to account for him everywhere? Yeah, he is no, I hear you. Everywhere he goes, right? Yeah, is he gonna? No, but I think you know. Is he is he that guy like you're saying? You know, Tyree kills of the world. The guys that you know. Oh man, we gotta double him every play. No, like not always. But I think you're gonna have to think about it in certain situations. Yes, you know, depending on your secondary and things like that. But. You know, also going to have to double him, hopefully, because they feed him the ball to such an extent to where you go, wait, he's a key part of their offense. We got to do that. So, yeah, is he the freakiest guy in the NFL? But he goes back into the old talk talk we talk about. There's 15, 18 top 10 receivers in the NFL. He's among that group, you know, according to who you talk to or who you, you know, what kind of receivers you like. And as far as the Giants and trying to make it work for Daniel Jones, you know, it's a huge year for him. It's a huge year for Joe Judge. I, I like the move altogether. He's tied for sixth among all receivers in contract value per year. And, you know, the numbers just kind of blur together for a lot of people. But sometimes you have to take a step back and say, what does $18 million per year mean? What it right. means is he's even with Tyree Kill and Odell Beckham Jr., who got his contract from the Giants a few years ago before it was traded to the Browns two years ago, kind of out of the blue and stunned us all. But look at the numbers. DeAndre Hopkins still leading the way with $27.25 million. Julio Jones at 22 A couple of others right at 20 So there's a gap there, but 18 was the best anyone was going to do. And you mentioned that for the most part, no one was resetting the market. The only guy who really did reset the market, other than Dak Prescott, who got paid before free agency, and Justin Simmons, who also wasn't a free agent signing. It was a second franchise tag flipped into a market-setting contract for safeties. For the most part, you know, Trent Williams did a phony deal, and it's phony because it's a three-year deal that – is at a certain level, just about $20 million a year, and then there's a fake three years on the back end that will either get restructured or ripped up that pushes him just above David Bakhtiari by like a point one, like 100000 a year, right. just so the agent can say, I got the richest offensive line contract in league history. For the most part, you're right. Markets aren't getting reset this year no. because the salary cap is $25 million less than what it would have been but for the pandemic. So... You got to factor that in. I think it's a big when you factor, look at, yeah. at at who's right. getting paid. Right. And now, now, if there was a superstar on the market, 
then you know that superstar would get paid. But you know, I say this time and again. These guys are on the market for a reason, Chris. The Lions didn't franchise tag Kenny Galladay. They didn't want to pay him 17-9 for one year. They let him walk, and he got 18 over four from the Giants. Yeah, oh, certainly. And I'm sure he wanted to go out there and just see what else was out there anyways. I mean, he probably doesn't have the greatest taste in his mouth from the time with the Detroit Lions. It's not like they've been winning games and it's just been this dominant football team. So, yeah, he's going out there on the free agency market trying to see what's there to be had, you know, and see see what other organizations are all about. I mean, hey, listen, you know, I look at the Giants, you know, Mike, and one thing we talk about, you know, I know from time to time, when you talk about, like, really good offenses, right, you got to have – you know, I, I think three different elements, three different, you know, scary things about that offense. You know, whether that's back with Peyton Manning and, you know, is it Edger and James and is, is it Marvin Harrison and it's Reggie Wayne? Oh, yeah, that's right. And Dallas Clark. Oh, man, they had that. You know, you brought up the greatest show on turf before. You know, Marshall Falk, Tory Holt, Isaac Brook. Oh, and Azir Akeem, who was not a bad fourth, right? I just look at the Giants and you go Daniel Jones, year four, you know, top 10 pick. It's been good, but we know it's three. teetering. Three, sorry. It's it's you know, it's it's teetering to where we go, eh, you know, is it great? Is it worth the top ten pick? We don't know, but now you at least give him a chance to really show what he's about. He's a pocket passer. He wants to dice people up with his right arm. So now you got him with a Slayton and an Evan Ingram who is inconsistent and Barkley coming off injury, but when you look at it from that standpoint right there. You go, whoa, those are some names and some potential for this offense to to be dangerous and explosive this year. And, and I think that's exciting for Giants fans. Kyle Rudolph joins the mix as well, that's along right. with Evan Ingram. And uh, yeah, it's got the potential to be an interesting offense. And, and it removes one more excuse for Daniel Jones. Oh, sure. Daniel Jones, what do you sure. expect? He doesn't have a he doesn't have a, a high-end receiver. Well, contractually now he does, and we'll see what Kenny Galladay can do. That that health question was nagging a lot of people. Five games last year, 32 catches. No, 32 targets. Sorry. 32 targets, 20 catches, 338 yards, two touchdowns. And and we've talked about this before. Yeah. Sometimes a guy who's in his contract year, if he doesn't have the financial security that he believes he deserves. That's right. He won't play through an injury that he otherwise would have played through it's the Brandon Marshall dynamic that you've explained so well in the past where you have to be able to go all in all out all the time and when you know that an injury can completely derail your opportunity to get financial security for yourself and more importantly for your family it's it's difficult and and there's there's been some thought that the 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 Galladay yes. injury status last year was influenced to some extent by the fact that he hadn't gotten paid. But the Giants are taking the leap of faith that he's going to be healthy, that whatever it was last year, if it was contractual or if it was just some sort of soft tissue thing that lingered for as long as it did, that that won't be the issue this year because when you're making that kind of investment, you want the guy on the field. Yeah, yes. You know, I, hey, listen, when, when you see these type of like deals, getting Kenny Galladay, well, he came from the Lions. He's with the New York Giants. Oh, that's right. A lot of the New York Giants coaches, you know, were New England coaches. That's right. The Detroit Lions coaches, Matt Patricia, you know, he's back with New England. He came from there, obviously. You know, I, I do think there was that rumor out there during the year that Galladay, yeah, you know, m- maybe was like you're talking about. 
hey, I'm, I'm not being paid. I don't know. I'm not going to go put it all on the line right now at, you know, at 75% and try to play, you know, not when you haven't compensated me fairly and all those type of things. Yeah, that's part of the game. No doubt about it. But like the first thing I thought of was that aspect and they, you know, you, it could go either way. It could go, well, the Giants talked to, you know, the Matt Patricia and some of those coaches and, oh, we don't. We don't like that guy. You know, it's a little crazy, blah, blah, blah. But they also might know they might not like him because they felt like he could play and the injury wasn't that serious and and he was protecting himself to how you just explained. So that can also give him the confidence to go, yeah, we know the injury wasn't actually horrible. You know, in fact, we had some of the coaches there complaining this past year that, hey, you know, uh, we wish he would have played. We thought he could have sucked it up and played in a few of those football games. So, I, I mean, I, I honestly think there's got to be something there that makes the Giants feel comfortable about Galladay either way with some common knowledge, let alone the player on the football field. And I think that's what's really good, uh, or at least what I think about with that situation. And remember, this wasn't one of those sight unseen telephone yeah, deals right. where you didn't talk to the player or meet with the player. Kenny Galladay went to the Giants and visited, and at some point, Joe Judge presumably got in a room with Kenny Galladay and they had a conversation about exactly what happened last year and how much of it was influenced by the fact that he wasn't getting the financial compensation that he thought he deserved from the Detroit Lions. Whatever it was, whatever was said, whatever was done, it got the Giants comfortable with the idea of paying him $18 million per year. And Chris, this is something that needs to be said, and I know it's your favorite team, but I think your favorite team your favorite team got sandbagged by somebody because your favorite team's paying a hell of a lot more than the next team was going to pay for Kenny Galladay. As best I can tell, the next – and this is this is being charitable with what I've heard. Right. The next best offer was max 13 by the Bengals. Bears reportedly in the neighborhood of 11 or $12 million. They were interested in Kenny Galladay at that price. It reminds me a lot of Le'Veon Bell, the other New York team. Yeah. That, 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 that kind of got the wool pulled over its eyes a couple of years ago. The idea that the Ravens were all in for Le'Veon Bell when they sure. never made an offer and the Ravens were kind of lurking supposedly with Kenny Galladay, although I think the reason the Ravens were connected to Galladay has more to do with our next topic. But the, the Giants ended up not having someone that they were outbidding by a little bit. They were outbidding someone by a lot and ultimately may have bidding against themselves. Well, I mean, maybe I, you know, I, I, I haven't, I haven't heard enough down that line yet. Um, I, I don't doubt that, you know, you're probably right. You know, the, it seems to happen every year. Uh, but I will say again, with a guy like Kenny Galladay, I mean, I don't look at the contract and think it's crazy. It's what I expected really him to go into and, and get, all along. So yeah, maybe they did overpay. I, I guess we'll hear more of those rumors and that stinks for the New York Giants. But I don't think it's a contract that I look at and just go, oh man, it's so horrible. They're just, they've really ruined their football team. How could you pay this guy, you know, that in two years, it's not going to look like anything. It's certainly not, but I know it does stink if that's the case, Mike, and they're overpaying it. 18 million a year. Who would you rather have Galladay or OBJ? Um, I at all full 100% health, I'm going to take OBJ, yes. But OBJ's dicey right now. Like, he's damaged goods. We haven't seen much of OBJ over the last three years of football. So I think from that aspect, you know, it's scary. And, of course, Galladay with his injury last year. But I don't think it's like, yeah, OBJ's more talented. Galladay might be a hair more of the safe investment at this point. 
Okay, I'll say that, but I don't think the gap is huge there. I'll say that too. There is an element of desperation, I think, in doing this. This doesn't seem like a Dave Gettleman kind of a move to do this. And and surely he knows that people are going to say, why'd you ever trade OBJ? You paid him the same damn contract. Like, and, and really, I think most people would agree with you, Chris, that if both guys are completely healthy, Beckham's the better receiver. Yeah. And, and just as OBJ's coming off of a torn ACL, you've got this, this nagging question with Galladay playing only five games in his contract year. So, uh, Hey, it, it, it's like so many of the other things we see in free agency. It's either going to work or it's not. Well, if it doesn't, yeah. it's going to be spectacular because everybody's going to say, why did you do it? Why did you do it? Why did you do it? If it doesn't work for Galladay in New York? Well, it, you, they're going to say that. But, you know, again, even with that, if they overpaid and, you know, that the, the rumors that you're talking about end up being true and everything like that, right? It, it, it's a real need for the football team. Like it's a it's a desperate need. We saw the defense turn the corner last year, and we go, "Ooh, okay, they're top ten ish defense." The way they played, the offense throughout the year, we sat there and went, "Eh, oh man, is it hard for them to you know do anything?" It was offensive line issues, of course, the Saquon injury, Evan Ingram dropping passes. You know, the only thing that was really consistent is Darius Slayton, and I think that's why you maybe overpay for a Kenny Galladay right now because you go, wait, our team, we feel like it's in a pretty good place, and this is a position that we really need, and this is a receiver who, you know, I think like we've like we've discussed, was the number one receiver on the market. So, okay, the next guy down and the next guy's down in the conversation, I think there's questions about in general. So I think when you talk about need for a team supporting your quarterback who's a top 10 pick and a big year for your new regime head coach, Dave Gettleman, his butt on the line and all those type of things, you know, I I can get behind it. I I, I certainly can. And uh, I just think, you know, you haven't been able to totally depend on Evan Ingram. You haven't been able to depend totally on Saquon Barkley because of the injury and you don't know where that's going to be. They couldn't go into the season this year and go – well, we hope, you know, Ingram's consistent. We hope Saquon's 100%. And we got Darius Slayton. You know, they needed something else for sure. And for that, I'm not going to sit here and go, oh, my gosh, how stupid Gettleman is. He paid $17.5 million for Kenny Galladay. I'm, I'm not going to do 18. that. Yeah, 18. Sorry. 18. <laughs> 18. But, but, uh, but, but, you know, th- this is going to be the ultimate good problem to have if this all works because then they're going to have to pay Saquon Barkley. And Daniel Jones, if he has some spectacular Josh Allen ascension in year three. Yeah. Which we, we can't rule out the possibility. A lot of people were stunned last year by what Josh Allen did. If Daniel Jones all of a sudden is a franchise quarterback, then he's going to be on deck for another contract. Barkley going into year four. Now, Barkley hasn't been clamoring for a contract because he's coming off of a torn ACL. Right. But they got some guys offensively they're going to have to pay, and Galladay's going to help. Yeah. It's going to push it one way or the other. Either they're going to say, as to Barkley and or Jones, this just – isn't part of the long-term answer for the franchise, or they're going to say, holy crap, we have something that's working very well. And at some level, it, it just could be a manifestation of John Mara's frustration that he surely is feeling. It's been a long time since the last Super Bowl trophy for the New York Giants, a decade now. They've had one playoff appearance in that decade. That is unacceptable yeah. 
Chris. As a yeah. Giants fan, you should be as upset as every other Giants fan. I One know. playoff berth right. in, in 10 years, nine right. years since or is it ten it's ten years yeah, so it is ten, ten years seasons. this year. It was yeah. twenty eleven yeah. the year they won it. You know, it's it's one more Super Bowl than your team from that where's purple's won, but uh ever just, just wanna just wanted to make uh, that clear. <laughs> uh, I, I, this but is, I hear this you. segment there's there's You're, nothing in this segment about the Vikings. I'm looking at the full rundown. I, I have it right help here. It. I've got the receipts. I've, I've um all right, let's let's move on to okay. one of the other top receivers on the market. And uh for Juju Smith-Schuster, it's 18 minus the teen. It's one year, $8 million to stay. What? To stay yeah. with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, and, and this is just a week after NFL media said he was telling teammates he's not going to come back to Pittsburgh. It's barely a week after he voted on that SI.com poll. Will Juju stay in Pittsburgh? Either I hope so or that's a negative. And there he is, blue check mark. Juju, that's a negative. So... He, 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 uh, hey, he thought he was going to get much bigger money on the open market. We talked about it last week. It was crickets with Juju Smith-Schuster, and it worked out just perfectly. And, Chris, it came down to the Steelers and the Ravens. It was Steelers and it was Ravens. There was a report the Eagles were involved. That was a lie. There's a report the Chiefs got involved. They got involved late. It was too late to change the momentum. At that point, it was down to two choices. Steelers, $8 million. Ravens, $9 million, plus $3.5 million in incentives. Juju opted to stay where he had spent the first four years of his career and go back to the team that a week ago he was certain he was leaving. That, to me, was a stunning outcome, Chris. Stunning. I mean, it, it really is. It, well, Again, it just speaks to the wide receiver market like we were talking about. I mean, it really does. Even, at least with Kenny Galladay, you know, last week we heard teams, you know, being associated with him a little bit and talked about. Juju, like you said, was nothing. It was like, man, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I haven't even heard, like, the slightest rumor of connecting him with anybody other than the jet, the Jets. That was the one you kind of heard oh, about. And, well, right. Well, and what, here's what happened. Yeah. We talk on Thursday – Where's Juju? There's nobody on Juju. There's right. no reports. And and then all of a sudden, oh, somebody leaks to NFL media that the Jets are interested. Well, where was that before 8 a.m. on yeah. Thursday? Uh-huh. I know. So they were, was... getting, they, they were getting – there was a lot of heat. There was a lot of heat on the agents. And, and look, I think what happened, he went into it wanting too much. Once the teams knew what he wanted, they all shied away from him. Uh, they had to let him yeah. – reduces expectations on his own it seemed that way I mean it's certainly like the writing was on the wall as far as that and I mean all you got to do is look at what he signed for that pretty much tells you exactly what was out there to be had he didn't go oh you know oh I had 15 million dollars a year or 14 million a year on the on the market but I'm gonna I'm gonna take one year nine million with Pittsburgh no that means there was nothing in the range of what Juju was expecting listen this is I'm interested to see how this plays out. I understand his decision, but it was risky versus risky to me either way. You know, you go to Baltimore. Yeah, it could be cool. You know, you might win the the AFC North and, you know, be a part of a a great football team and all that. But as we know, you might come away with a year where the stats are just meh, like they're not that great because they run the ball. And, yeah, you might have some cool highlight plays, but he's going to really have the reception and yards to back it up. Now he goes to Pittsburgh, Mike. And I'd say, I don't know. I, I still think it's risky. He's risky going to Pittsburgh, too. I mean, I think it's a roll of the dice. 
we discussed last week, I mean, I'd have a hard time thinking that the Steelers coaches didn't go back last year, watch film, and go, whoa, we got to get Claypool and Deontay Johnson the ball more. Like, you know, that, that, that to me would be, like, the thing they're going to look at and go, they're difference makers. Juju's really good, but those two guys can scare defenses and do things like that. So Juju, I think, is also taking a risk of not being able to have a huge statistical year there either. But either way, it's a place that he's comfortable at. He's got a role in the offense, and I understand that, and he's going to try to make it work, and I'm rooting for him. I wonder how much any of this matters to the guy who actually makes the decisions in real time to throw the football and to whom he will be throwing the football. Because even though I agree with you, yeah, they need to build the offense around Claypool and Johnson, he sees Juju out there, and he is Ben Roethlisberger. Sure. Is he going to feel like a loyalty? Is he going to feel like he, like, hey, he took less to come back here and be with me my final season in Pittsburgh? I just wonder whether or not that's going to influence the quarterback at some level. He's the guy who's pulling the trigger. Remember Brett Favre all those years ago when Javon Walker was trying to get more money and was threatening to hold out. Favre's like, hey, psh, <laughs> I'm the one who decides who gets the football, buddy. And we know that's the way it goes, Chris. You've lived it. You yeah. know that that can creep into the mindset of a quarterback. I just can't help but wonder whether or not having Juju around is going to potentially, potentially keep the offense from being what it can be because Ben may feel compelled to throw it to him. Well, Ben's definitely going to have a, a – there's a comfort level with Juju. I, I don't doubt that at all. I don't. Now, you know, I, I – where I'm surprised, I guess, Mike, more than anything is, you know, I just thought maybe we'd see the the, the Steelers try to change how they're going to play a little bit, right? We, You know, we've talked about that. Smash mouth football, you know, protect the quarterback, two and three man routes, do that. You know, maybe start getting a fullback involved and leading a smash mouth tailback in between the tackles, that type of stuff. You know, I thought maybe we might see them get away from three wide receiver sets a little bit to where it's more two tight end sets and two receivers with one back and, you know, one tight end, you know, a, a, a fullback, a tailback, and two receivers. I thought we might see some of that just from them, just to change the way they play. And like we've talked about so much, follow the Brady-Tampa Bay method. Let's play defense. Let's run the ball a little bit. Let's protect the quarterback. Let's let him dice up one-on-one -on -one coverage. Um, you know, three receivers on the field, of course, tells me maybe they're going to be a little bit still of a drop back pass football team either way. But it's an affordable price. Nine million dollars for Juju Smith-Schuster one year. Their team, they probably look at themselves in the Super Bowl winner. Go ahead, go do it and give Big Ben the weapons he needs to, to make something happen. And again, it's eight million, not nine, nine million. And sorry. every million counts for Damn. a team like the Steelers that is up against the cap. They did four voidable years on the back end. The cap number ends up being two point four million, but that was still enough to put the Steelers in a situation where they have to trade cornerback Steven Nelson now, because you need to have cap space to sign your draft picks. So Nelson's out because Smith Schuster's back. It's that simple. And from the Ravens' perspective, they looked at it, as I understand it, in a very simple way. Either we're going to get this guy or we're going to screw the Steelers up a little bit more from their cap standpoint because if they bring Juju back, they're going to have to get rid of somebody else they want to keep. So it was a, a win either way for Baltimore, but what it does underscore, Chris, is the difficulty of convincing players who catch footballs for a living sure. to make their living in a place where they may not be catching footballs. Yeah, no, I think that's, you know, it's a real thing with, with the Baltimore Ravens. It comes down to that, 
you know, I think you're, you're, we're going to continue to see that if it's a, you know, this for that situation, I'm between A and B. I think the Ravens are one of those teams that, yeah, I mean, for a wide receiver, they're probably going to have to pay a little bit more to make a guy switch a team or, or you know, go to a, go to a, go come here to Baltimore where, yes, it might not be statistically as comfortable as the other options you have. And they might have to pay a little premium for that because of the style they play on the offensive side of the ball. I don't, I don't deny that one bit. Miami Dolphins gave us a little bit of a surprise at the end of the first week of free agency. Will Fuller, who is still serving games under a PED suspension, right. he signed to a one-year $10.6 million deal. He's a guy who you said time and again, right? Great speed, great skills, can't stay healthy. Then all of a sudden he's healthy, and we find out he's got a PED violation. My concern is, and hey, look, hey, I'm not the one who got popped for PEDs. He did. My concern is... Once he's clean, yeah. he's going to get hurt again all the time. Right. He's not going to be able to stay healthy. I, I'm I'm with you. I mean, it, it it would make me question the whole situation. There's no doubt about it. You know, he's he's a difference maker. They're they're a different. They were a different team in Houston when he was on the football field. But the problem was, is as you can see right here, look, looking at this graphic. I mean, it's it's 14, 10, 7, 11, 11. You know, there's just it's too in and out of the lineup all the time. And of course, the PED thing always scares me because, you know, yes, I sit there and go, well, I don't know. Has he been taking PEDs the whole time? Has he been sneaking by? I don't know what he really is. Is he going to do it more to try to stay healthy as he goes forward? That's scary. Uh, but from the pure football standpoint, it was a much needed, much, much needed guy or, or, or just a guy who could take the top off the defense and go deep down in Miami. They don't have that. You know, yeah, they got Devontae Parker and Preston Williams. They're real good, you know, 15 to 20 and underneath and 25 to 30, maybe that. But Fuller's the guy who can scare defenses and make the safeties go back 10, another 10, five yards and open up the field for Tua and do that. And that's where he's special that way. So there's obviously some risk there with what they're doing. And it's, I, I mean, it's kind of surprising. And I think it tells you a lot. Even an injured guy like that, people, he got $10 million. You know, Juju Smith-Schuster didn't get that. I think that tells you something, too, about what the film looks like between the two. And, you know, Phil, Fuller's going to help that offense out, though, no doubt. That really is amazing, though, right? to think that with all those questions, red flags, concerns, you're right, Will Fuller ends up with more money than Juju Smith-Schuster. But that's what having the ability to stretch a it defense is. brings. Big plays. Uh, and that's why Deshaun Jackson is finding another home. Despite all these years in the NFL, this will be season number 14. He's 34 years old, but he's got a one-year deal to go back home to Southern California. He's been playing on the East Coast his entire NFL career. He played college football at Cal Berkeley, and now the Rams announced last night Deshaun Jackson bringing that element to L.A. for a year. You got Robert Woods. You got Cooper Cup. Everything's right. taken care of underneath. Now you got that guy who, if healthy, can stretch the field and give Matthew Stafford a long down-the-field target. The problem is guys played eight games over the last two years. Yeah, that that's the big thing. I mean, it, it's like Fuller. You know, the receivers like this, you know, to always make the comparison, you know, they're, they're cheetahs, right? They're, they're cheetahs in the fact that, they're high octane, big speed, 
you know, but if they pull the slightest muscle, it's like, whoa, okay, you know, we, we can't get out there and chase gazelles today. I mean, that that's that's how it, this is like special, special specimens in Deshaun Jackson. And, yeah, he's been banged up. But, man, if he's healthy, holy crap, Ola, would that be fun to watch out there with the Rams. You know, first off, he's got to be so happy to go back to California. I've been around Deshaun a little bit, and I think that's always been on his radar. But to, to go there – and you mentioned it with Cooper Cup and Woods, who could do all, you know, a little bit like we just talked about with, with Will Fuller. They could do all the 15 to 20 to 25 and to five yards and all that type of stuff. But now you got Matt Stafford coming out on the edge, and it's, you know, a little play action bootleg fake to the right, and now he's rolling to the left, and he's got Woods in the flat and Cooper Cup coming over the middle. And usually they run like the outside guy, like a Deshaun Jackson on the 20-yard comeback. Oh, now they're going to have him fake the 20-yard comeback, go 60 yards down the field, fake the 20-yard comeback, post it over the middle 50 yards down the field, and they got a quarterback who's got a flamethrower for an arm, and that's going to work. You talk about them being able to stretch the whole field and make you defend the whole field that way, that's where they could be scary with Stafford, Deshaun Jackson, those receivers you mentioned, and we know McVay's going to run the ball. I mean, it makes sense. If I healthy. hope he can stay healthy, right. If healthy. If and, healthy. And really, the three games he played in 2019, the last, uh, the, the, like, it was week one, he was spectacular. Two long touchdown passes as the Eagles erased a 17 nothing deficit against Washington. Right. Week two, it was an Atlanta Monday night game, I believe. Barely played Sunday night game. Barely played. Right. That's when he started to have something groin, hernia, something like that. Then came back late in the year for just, later in the year for just like a quick little nah. I'm eh. So it was one game that year. It yeah. was great, but it was yeah. one game. And that one game can make a difference for a team, but I, I just I, – I, it'll be interesting to see how much. Yeah. And the fact that it's been about 12 hours and I don't think we've seen how much tells me not much at this point because he's going to have to prove himself. And at a minimum, I would want to put a lot of incentives in there and per-game roster bonuses – where I don't pay him unless he's actually able to suit up and play. No Will doubt. Deshaun Watson be able to suit up and play? That's one of the many questions still lingering as this controversy involving Watson and a growing number of lawsuits heads into week two. We'll give you all the latest when PFT Live continues right after this. We are now representing 12 women, uh, and we will file the remaining cases uh, the additional five cases in due course as we do our due diligence. You should also know that we've also spoken to more than 10 additional women. So more than, more than 22 women that we've spoken to uh, who have reported conduct similar to that laid out in our public filings. Houston lawyer Tony Busby press conference on Friday afternoon regarding what is now 12 lawsuits either have been filed or will be filed. I think seven officially have been filed. We're waiting for five more, at least 10 additional women involved. All of the lawsuits filed under pseudonyms. There has been nothing directly from any of the women involved. We just have the lawsuits that have been filed by Busby, and Busby's been the main spokesperson. And th that's where I have issues with this. I spoke at length about this on PFTPM on Friday. I'm not a big fan of how Busby is conducting this. That's separate and apart from whether or not Deshaun Watson did anything wrong. Right. That's a different issue, and there's now a legal process that will decide whether and to what extent Watson did something wrong. 
but there are some some inconsistencies in Busby's words. There are some things that just bother me as a former lawyer regarding whether and to what extent publicity should be sought for things of this nature. He claims this isn't about publicity while he's publicizing it at a press conference, Chris. It just doesn't fly for me. He claims it's not about money when it clearly is about money, when the system itself is about money, and that's okay. The civil justice system is premised on using money to balance the playing field when the powerful have wronged the powerless. That's how it works. It's necessarily about money. So there are aspects of this that bother me as it relates to Busby, the way he's conducted himself on social media, the way he conducted himself on Friday. Those things bother me, but that's separate and apart from whether or not his clients have been wronged in some way by Deshaun Watson. And again, it's up to 10, could be 22. And at a certain point for the average person who hears about this, we talked about this last week, I don't know what the magic number is that gets you to say, oh, God, there's just too many. I can't not believe this. Yeah. But somewhere between 1 and 22, for most people, you get to the point where you say, it's too many. Once you get past 2, I feel like you're like, okay, that's, I don't know. That doesn't look right. And, Mike, Mike, I agree with you. You know, Busby, it, it is it, – it bothers me. It, it's fanfare. It's like a show. It's a publicity thing. It does seem a little bit that way. But that doesn't take away from the main point here and that th- th- these things are troubling from Deshaun Watson. I don't know any other way to say it. I mean, it's it's troubling. You know, yeah, it's one or two. Okay, I don't know. Are they trying to take advantage of a, a rich and powerful guy or that's, you know, vulnerable? But this many? Come on. That's crazy. There's obviously an issue here. There's obviously a pattern of something that Deshaun Watson liked to do in his personal life. And I'm not sitting here trying to judge or anything like that, but this doesn't look good, certainly. And he's got trouble in front of him. And like, 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 I like how people are still talking like, oh, oh, there's still teams interested in trading. Yeah, right. Get the hell out of here. Nobody's trading for Deshaun Watson. That's insane. Everybody stop telling me that. I'm sick of hearing that. There's nobody that's going to trade for Deshaun Watson right now. How could you do that? Deshaun Watson, by all accounts, just like we talked a little last week, like Ezekiel Elliott got suspended with like way less stuff on there. Deshaun Watson, if I had to just bet right now, I'd go, he's going to get suspended. There's no doubt. I just, I I would say there's no doubt. And I'm not trying to say guilty or not or anything like that. But the way this looks, this many women, you know, the scene of, as a scene of it all right now, like, I just have a hard time thinking that, you know, Deshaun Watson's going to walk away clean from this and, and, and not get suspended and have some other issues to deal with here. And and the reality is, for the NFL's in-house justice system, as administered under the personal conduct policy, PR drives so much of this. Yeah, right. And the the bigger this story gets, and the more it, it, it detracts from free agency, from the new TV deals, my God, how dare you put a story out there, Deshaun, that undermines the victory lap the NFL is taking last week for its new TV deals. I'm telling you, that's going to be a factor in this because there's so much play in the joints with the personal conduct policy and the investigative process. They can do whatever they want to do, folks. If they want to suspend him, they can find a way to justify suspending him. If they don't want to suspend him, they can find a way to justify not suspending him. So that's the problem here. He's caught up in the gears of that machine now. Right. We saw it last week. The letter was sent by Lisa Friel to Tony Busby. The investigation has begun. And part of the problem, Chris, even before we get to a suspension, 
because we've got 12 pieces of litigation that eventually will be filed, maybe 10 more on top of it, possibly a criminal prosecution, although I don't think that's going to go anywhere because it's going to be very difficult to prove guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. I don't think a prosecutor is going to want to touch this case because it ultimately comes down to the words of two people with no objective evidence. Prosecutors shy away from cases like that all the time. But as this all plays itself out over a period of months, if not years, what do you do with Deshaun Watson? If you put him on the commissioner exempt list, you know what that means? It means you got to pay him. Yeah. The Texans have to pay him. If they don't cut him, they got to pay him $10 million this year in salary if he's on the commissioner exempt list for the full season. That's one of the reasons why no one touched Antonio Brown after he was cut by the Patriots in 2019, because the league wouldn't give anyone a straight answer on whether or not they were going to put him on the commissioner exempt list, and nobody wanted to pay Antonio Brown to not play. Right. Well, the Texans have already entered into the contract. That's the great irony here. The safe harbor that Deshaun Watson may have financially this year is to show up if he's on the commissioner exempt list or if he's going to be put on the commissioner exempt list and make his $10 million. Because if you don't show up, you don't get it. If you do show up, you get it, but you don't have to play because you've been put on the commissioner exempt list. It's, it's just one of the many complexities, Chris, yeah. of this situation. And uh, it's getting more complicated all the time. Yes, now, Rusty is. Harden, who represents Deshaun Watson, vowed last week that they will have some sort of a response this week. My response to that is, hey, there's two courts here. There's a court of law and there's a court of public opinion. And even though I don't like Tony Busby's tactics, he's he killing is it. Winning. winning. He is winning in the yes. court of public opinion. Right. Not not even close. You're right. He's crushing it. I mean, there, there's no doubt. I mean, no, nobody really even knows anything about the side, you know, Deshaun's side of the story. Nobody knows anything TMZ about that. TMZ had a report over the weekend that most people looked at and rolled their eyes at. That, that TMZ says Deshaun Watson found massage therapists on Instagram because his regular therapist was unavailable due to the pandemic. That was the TMZ report. And I don't know whether someone actually thought that would help, but... But the general reaction to that was, oh, really? That's yeah. it? Yeah. That's that's your explanation for this? Yeah, that's 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 not a good enough explanation. That's not going to cut it, really. I mean, it's not. And, you know, one, we talk about, like, the trade thing, right? Like, nobody's going to trade for him right now. And where I really look at it, Mike, and this, I do ask you, like, I, I have a feeling it could go the way you just discussed right there. You know, could we possibly be seeing – such an issue here that it goes down the lines of a few more girls come out, a few more women come out. This thing's, you know, doesn't look good, all of that. And do the Houston Texans cut him? And does the NFL put him on the NFL exempt list to where nobody can sign him or do anything until some of this stuff gets figured out? I mean, I have a feel that's the, that to me. And again, we don't know, and I'm not trying to presume anybody guilty or anything like that, but just sitting here, with the guy and you and me, and we've been following football our whole lives and doing that, that to me seems the road we're going on right now. If you made me bet where we're going, that's where I think we're going. Well, I don't know where we're going, but it's amazing in less than a week where we've come. Yeah. And it, and, and, uh, it just shows you the craziest, most unpredictable things can happen like that. It can come up like that. I said last week, Chris, if you made a list, If you had asked me last week to make a list of the five players least likely, in my opinion, to be involved in something like this, Watson would have been on it. Yes, he would have been on it. Right, right. That's what makes it even more stunning. So, uh, one more, one more quick little piece of sound from Tony Busby because this is an important issue 
that we've talked about from time to time, and Busby himself brought it up on Friday as it relates to this suggestion that somehow the Texans were involved in what's happened with Deshaun Watson. Here's Busby. And I need to dispel some silly rumors. Yes, I live on River Oaks Boulevard, and I live near the McNair family. I don't know the McNair family. I, I, I wouldn't recognize Cal or Hal, whatever his name is, if I saw him on the street. This case has nothing to do with the Texans. It has nothing to do with free agency, the timing. I don't know anything about that silliness, and I don't, frankly don't care about it. Texans are not a team that I follow. I don't know Tony Busby well enough to know that his tell is that when he takes his glasses off, he's lying. But when you say, I don't know who Cal or Hal or whatever his name is, and you're the most prominent lawyer or one of the most prominent lawyers in Houston, you don't know that Cal McNair is the owner of the local football team when you ran for mayor and needed his support and live in the same neighborhood and you don't know if his name is Cal or Hal. That's somebody who's trying too hard to throw dirt on something, Chris, in my opinion. Yeah, I hear you there, Mike. I, I mean, I, I have a hard time maybe buying that as well. But, I mean, just, just you know, watching that comment organically, you know, that, that night, whatever, was that Friday night? You know, I, 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 do, I do look at him right now and go, okay, I don't think he's doing this, you know, with, in, in cahoots with the Houston Texans. I, I don't. I, I have a hard time believing that. Um, so well, let me give you my theory, yeah, though. Let me give you ahead. my theory, because th- th- there's there's different levels and types of cahoots. Right. This is something I thought of last night, and I haven't said this and I haven't written it. But but it the, the collusion doesn't mean that the Texans wanted this to happen or that the Texans went to Tony Busby and said, hey, you'll never guess what we're hearing from some of our people. You may want to look into this. Maybe right. this is a way we can take this guy down right. because he's trying to tell us how to run our business. This can be as simple as Tony Busby has a client who comes to him with a complaint that Tony Busby believes is credible and Tony Busby is ready to go forward with a lawsuit. Right. But because he's very sensitive and savvy about the dynamics of the market in which he operates, he decides that it's prudent to give the Texans a heads up and make sure that he has either their blessing or that they don't tell him, don't do it. Because if they tell him not to do it and he decides, I'd rather have a relationship there, I refer the case to someone else, that stuff happens all the time. There are broader dynamics at play for a prominent lawyer in a city that could cause him to decide this isn't the right case for me to take on right. because it could mess up something right. else. And it's that's it's that simple of an item yeah. of collusion. Yeah. Just a heads up. Hey, Texans, I'm going to be doing this. I just need to know whether or not you have a problem with it. And they very well may have said, we don't have a problem with it. This guy's making our, making our life hell. Hey, he's got a little issue he's going to have to deal with. Well, that's fine. You got a client thinks he did something wrong. That's his problem, not ours. Yeah, I hear you, So this, it doesn't have to be an elaborate conspiracy. Right. It can be something that simple. Yeah, I, I Mike, I, I mean, I, I hear you that way. And, you know, may, maybe there is. I don't know. I don't know what to say to that. I really don't. I could see that certainly being an avenue that Busby would take when he first gets this information and all of that. Uh, there's no doubt. But, man, it's dicey. And all I could say is it doesn't look good for Deshaun Watson. And I would say him playing in 2021 is in severe trouble right now with the way it looks here sitting in March. All right. Time to go to break. More PFT Live right after this.
you're not used to signing guys that you haven't met with. Obviously, in recruiting, you meet with those guys. So how much, I don't know if anxiety is the right word, but, but maybe trepidation or, or, or how much is that an issue with you at this point? Yeah, that was awful. I don't agree with it, but no one asked my opinion. <laughs> um, you know, I guess the old days you could bring them in and, and meet them, have dinner with them, and you find out the football intellect, find out the character, find out that. To answer your question, that was awful. That I don't believe it should be that way. Not when you're making organizational decisions. I'm not sure how that rule came about, but that's, you know, that to me, that's not good business. Well, Urban, you should have known that before you took the job to be the head coach of the Jaguars because that's the way the business is. Chris, we don't have a whole lot of time in this segment. My read on all of that, and we have this story at PFT if you want to see more of his quotes. This is the built-in excuse if this aggressive first free agency class for Urban Meyer in the NFL blows up because he went out and he signed a lot of these guys sight unseen. And if they don't work, all he's got to say is, hey, hey, this is a bad system. I didn't get a chance to bring these guys in. If I'd have had a chance to bring them in and evaluate them, I may not have signed them. Yeah, no, you're right. Listen, it's going to be a little bit of a culture shock from Urban Meyer that way. You know, hopefully you got to get, get on some Zoom calls and get to know them that way. But yeah. I mean, again, this is the way it is for everybody right now, and this is where having NFL you people— can't, You can't. You can't. That's the problem. You can't—during the, the 52-hour negotiating window, you can't have I can't the contact yeah, with the I, I, You're right. I, I, for, I totally forgot about that aspect. I can't yeah. lie. But here, though, here's my other point, just to say this. is This is where having NFL experienced people, you know, I know this guy, I know this guy, let's do our homework on these personalities. That's where it's really going to come in you know, favor as far as your scouting department and what they know about players. Yeah, it didn't stop him from being very aggressive in a system that he thinks is awful. We'll be right back.